Welcome to Visit the Zoo with your host, Father Frederick Fishman. And hello and welcome again to my Visit the Zoo podcast. My name is Frederick Fishman and I'm an author and also audiobook narrator of my own books, and also creator of the DVD series, Visit the Zoo, which is based on my 12-book Visit the Zoo series. So thank you very much and for joining us here for episode number 004. Before we get started, I just you know wanted to just give you some of my thoughts about this podcast. We're now into episode number four, and so we're well underway. And I was thinking how much fun it is to do these podcasts. I really enjoy it. I really do. Because I get to talk about a universe and a world of animals that is completely different from man. They have their own struggles. They have their own fights, the animals. They position themselves for territory, for food, uh, for mates, for their groups, for survival. And And I'm thinking it's so much nicer to go into this world and just for a few minutes leave the world of politics and news and turmoil and work and everything else that goes with daily living just to escape for just a little while. And so that's why I I really enjoy doing these podcasts. And I really do hope that you enjoy spending time with me uh, listening to them as well. Now, I really do hope that you check out my website for Visit the Zoo. That's at zooanimals.info. That's zooanimals, Z-O-O-A-N-I-M-A-L-S dot info. And there you'll see all the links to uh, all of my output, my content, whether it be e-books or print books or audio books or even the DVD series, you can get the links to get your copy of one of those. And you'll also see a DVD, excuse me, a video on YouTube that I put together as a book trailer for Visit the Zoo and also specifically for the DVD Visit the Zoo. So let's get going here on episode number four and see what we can discover. All right, let's start with what we do every time at the top of the show, and that's look at some of the zoo news. And I kind of alluded to this story uh, that I read in episode number one, but I want to go into detail uh, from an article from Live Science from a contributor by the name of Stephanie Pappas. And this was written May 5th in 2016, but I really found it compelling, really um, fascinating information. And what she says here is that uh, calculating how many species exist on Earth is a tough challenge. Researchers aren't even sure how many land animals are out there, much less the numbers for plants, fungi, the most unaccountable group of all, and that's microbes. The researchers have attempted to use the laws of math to make an estimate that includes both micro and macro organisms. And the researchers, after their studies, have estimated that there may be as many as one trillion, that's trillion with a T, species out there. Now, this next part I don't really understand, but I'll, I'll read it to you anyhow. It says the research is based on scaling laws, which predict a proportional change linking two variables, 
How's that? For example, scaling laws apply to the change in metabolic rates as body size changes and to the number of species found by a geographical area. I don't quite understand that, but, you know, I'll accept it, I guess. And until now, we haven't known whether aspects of biodiversity scale with something as simple as the abundance of organisms, the author says. As it turns out, the relationships are not only simple, but also powerful, resulting in the estimate of upwards of one trillion species. That's kind of amazing. Now, here's an interesting fact about you and me. It has been estimated that there are 100 trillion individual bacterial cells in a single human body. That's kind of amazing. Our results show that this leaves 100,000 times more microorganisms awaiting discovery and 100 million to be fully explored. And that's just on our own planet here. Forget about life in the universe or on Mars or Europa or some other place in the solar system. There is 100 million microorganisms that's yet to be explored here on our planet Earth. Now, this next news item is a little more contemporary. This was um, published on September 26th of, of this year. And it's about the Calgary Zoo. The title is The Calgary Zoo Brings on a Team of Experts as it Prepares to Welcome Giant Pandas. And it goes on to say that the Calgary Zoo said Tuesday it's put together a team of experts to care for a family of giant pandas that are arriving from Toronto in the spring. In a media statement, the zoo said a two-person team would be flying in from China. They will stay in Calgary for the first two years to make sure the animals settle into their new home. Well, that's interesting. So the pair will be working closely with panda specialists in Calgary that have eight years of experience working with animals, including a stint at the Ocean Park Zoo in Hong Kong. It's helpful to have these individuals, the article says. James Dorgan says he's the director of animal care there at Calgary Zoo. It's helpful to have individuals who understand those types of animals, which is a crucial part of transitioning the pandas from Toronto. They're unique, and everybody thinks they're cuddly, and they can just go in and work with them, but they are solitary animals. The pair will be working closely with the panda specialist in Calgary that has eight years of experience, like I said. But it's helpful to, to have those individuals who understand these type of animals. Now, the panda care specialist there, Sissy Koo, K-O-U, said Tuesday that she'll have to learn the personalities of the individual animals to provide the best care. I have to learn individual preference and weather change and the season change on their food preference. So that's the article about uh, the Calgary Zoo is going to be getting some pandas. I saw the pandas in uh, the San Diego Zoo, and it was amazing to me how focused they are on eating. There's a enclosure for the pandas, and you can get very close. I mean, you're within the San Diego Zoo. You're within 7 to 10 feet of these animals and I saw the mama panda and the little baby panda both snapping off some bamboo shoots 
which they love, chewing on the leaves and the stems and just oblivious to the world around them. They just love that bamboo. And this is now news item number three. Recently, back in September, the publisher of Playboy, Hugh Hefner, passed away. And he lived in a, in a mansion in Bel Air, California, in Beverly Hills, that was one of the very few residences in the United States that have or had a zoo license. Now, he sold the property in 19, uh, well, let me excuse me, excuse me, 2016, I believe. And he, he sold it to somebody who paid $100 million for it. And he bought the property in 1971 for $1 million. So I'd say that's a pretty good equity increase that he got. But on the grounds of his zoo in, in his spacious backyard, they had squirrel monkeys, peacocks, cockatoos, African cranes, toucans, parrots, and of course, bunnies. That was a bad pun, sorry. I was actually, at a former life, I actually had a chance to visit the Playboy Mansion. I had an invitation there, and uh, there were no bunnies there, and there was no party there. It was just a lunch staged by the company that I was working with at the time, and, and you got to walk through the spacious grounds, and the animals were just everywhere. The the peacocks, some of them, the full color, the, the bright green and the blue, and they had white peacocks there as well. And they were just roaming the grounds freely. There, there was an enclosure of about 100 squirrel monkeys that was pretty interesting. You could go into the enclosure and feed them grapes. But they're very aggressive when it comes to getting their grapes, for sure. But anyhow, the since Hugh Hefner has passed away, the current owner is going to be redoing and refurbishing the entire mansion and also the zoo enclosures as well. All right, and we come to the uh, probably my favorite part and uh, hopefully yours of this podcast, and that is the animal sounds, where we're going to hear three animal sounds. You're going to have to listen to them carefully, kind of consider what you think these animal sounds are and what animal associated with these animal sounds. Some of them are shorter, some of them are longer. Let's see, they're, they're each long enough. I think I can play it once, except, well, maybe, maybe the third one. I'll play that twice. But anyhow, here is the first animal sound. It's a bird, probably you guessed that, but let's hear it again and see if you can zero in on what species it is. And this is now animal sound number two. This is probably an easy one for you. All right, here is the third animal now and their animal sound. One more time. Got a distinct feeling that you probably know what that one is and you probably would want to avoid it. So those are our three animal sounds for today and I'll give you the answer later on in the podcast. Well, we come to the next part of our podcast where we're going to listen a little bit about a particular animal. This is a clip from my 120 Animal Visit the Zoo series. It's an animal description of probably the most recognized animal in the zoo, and that's the lion. And I would bet probably every zoo, large and small, has at least 
one lion. Some of the enclosures are better and bigger than others, but there's something about looking and watching an animal like a lion that really gets your attention because they're beautiful animals. Hopefully you get them at a time of day when they're active, and that's usually in the morning. So let's listen to a little bit about the king of the jungle. There he is, the king of the jungle, stretched out, taking a nap while the lioness looks on. But you know what? That's what lions do most of the time. They just lay around, yawning, napping, and resting, up to 20 hours a day. The rest of the time is spent grooming, socializing, hunting, or eating. The lion is the second largest of the cat family. The tiger is bigger. Females are smaller than males, and the females can top out at about 400 pounds, but the males can be as big as 550 pounds. The females stand about four feet tall, the males five feet tall. But as we creep closer to the railing, we can see how big they really look. They live mainly in Africa now, other than in zoos around the world. But here's a fascinating fact. About 10,000 years ago, the largest population of large animals on Earth was humans. Second in number were the lions. But sadly, their numbers have shrunk along with their habitat. Habitat is mostly on grassy plains, savannas, and woodlands. You know their diet. Antelope, zebra, warthog, small mammals, and buffalo. One more critical point about the lions, they can climb trees. So if you are walking under a tree with a lion in it and getting ready to pounce, well, you get the picture. Lions are very social animals and their social group, the pride, is structured with the females really the ones in charge. They have anywhere from one to four cubs and they live 10 to 14 years in the wild and about 20 years in captivity. Either way, wild or in zoos, they are beautiful, regal, and majestic animals. They have been worshipped, feared, hated, and loved over the centuries. To see one in person at the zoo is really great. All right, and there is a little bit about the lion. If you want to see some good lion footage, by the way, check out my DVD. There's uh, a lot of good video in there about the lion. Now let's go back to uh, our animal sounds and let me see if you've figured out what these animals are. Let's go to with the first one now and I'll tell you a little bit about them after I play the sound. So here it is, our first animal sound. One more time. That is a vulture. And, of course, it's a scavenging bird of prey. They can live up to 60 years, and they weigh about 26 pounds. And this group uh, includes the California and the Andean condors. California condor has the bald head, if you've ever seen a picture of one. And it's bald because there is no fur or anything else on top of its head. So it keeps its head clean during dining on a carcass and feeding. And also, in the sun afterwards it gets disinfected and getting pounded by the sun's rays. They're found in warm temperate areas of the Americas and they rarely attack live prey. Corrosive stomach acid helps them to digest that putrid carcass and when they're approached 
or when they feel they're endangered. Let me see how I can say this. They regurgitate. They vomit the contents of their stomach. And it's it's not like they want to hit you with it, but it's because they can lighten the load, as it, as it were, to help them take off and fly away. They have extremely sensitive noses. They can smell prey a mile away. And if you've ever seen one in flight, they are quite beautiful. They have a wingspan of almost 10 feet. And it is the widest wingspan of any bird in North America. All right, so that's the vulture. Now let's go to the next sound. And you probably know what this is. And this is a long clip, so I'm going to stop it somewhere in the middle. But let's hear it again. That, of course, is the donkey. Donkeys are stubborn. And the reason why they're more stubborn than horses, scientists believe it's because they have a stronger sense of self-preservation. And they're the they're members of the of the domesticated horse family, and they've been a working animal for humans for over five thousand years. And they're spread around the world as beasts of burden for humans. They they're usually between thirty one and sixty three inches at the shoulders, and they weigh about a hundred and twenty pounds. But they can get up to a thousand pounds though too. The poorest nations of the world, where they work the hardest, their life expectancy is twelve to 15 years in more prosperous countries where they're not worked as hard 30 to 50 years their startling braying that you just heard can be heard over three miles and they have large ears that help them cool off in the midday heat and they're adapted to marginal desert lands around the americas especially but like i said throughout the world all right and now here is our third animal sound and uh let's play it You know what? I'm going to play that one more time just to scare you. Well, if you live in the southwest of the United States, you know that sound immediately, and that is a rattlesnake. There are about 36 species of rattlesnakes and about 65 to 70 subspecies. They are venomous snakes. About seven to 8,000 people are bitten in the U.S. Some people keep them as pets. Why, I do not know. But if you are bitten by a rattlesnake and you can get some anti-venom in you within two hours at a local hospital or emergency ward, you've got a 99% of recovery. And if you can get treatment within 6 to 48 hours, you've got a pretty good chance of a recovery. After that, I'd say you're in trouble. They are predators. They eat small animals, birds, rodents, and they are the leading contributor to snake bites in North America, but they rarely bite unless they are provoked or attacked. The rattling sound is a warning they make to tell you to stay away. And when you hear it, like I said, it's, it's kind of a startling, scary sound. They're found in North and South America, and they prefer open rocky areas, mountainous areas too, and they prefer a temperature of 80 to 90 degrees. Newborn snakes are preyed on heavily, by birds and other animals because they're so small but they can still bite but they they're good prey and only about 50 percent of the snakes that are born survive they have great night vision and even their 
fangs can kill at birth when you're bitten by one. I could go on and on about this snake. I've had two encounters with rattlesnakes here in the Southwest. One was in a park in San Luis Obispo, California, where I saw a full-grown rattlesnake. It was about five to seven feet long, and within 10 feet, I heard the rattle. I stopped my wife and myself, and we slowly backed away and went around the spot where it was. And then about two months ago, we saw a baby rattlesnake. It was about eight to ten inches long, sitting right underneath our front door. And even at that young age, and I think it was a newborn, it was still coiled up and it was lunging as if it were striking. And I read somewhere, and I, I think I still remember it well, that they can strike one and a half times their length. So if you're hit by a ten-foot rattlesnake which I hope you're not, they can get you within 15 feet. Most snakes are smaller than that. Most snakes, rattlesnakes, are 5 to 7 feet, and you can hear them, and so you can't avoid them. Anyhow, those are our three animals for the day, and I hope you enjoyed that. All right, we come to the next section that uh, I think is the most tenuous because I'm not sure everybody loves poetry, but these are poems about animals. Uh, last time I read some quotes from Mark Twain about animals, and I, I kind of like that, and I think I'll do that again. I'll find some famous writers who have made some quotes about animals. But I do want to read you this one poem now. This is called The Donkey, and it was written by English poet, writer, dramatist, journalist, orator, lay theologian, literary, and art critic and he was very busy that was gk chesterton and chesterton excuse me from england he lived from 1874 to 1936 and he wrote this poem it's called the donkey and it was from his collected poems of gk chesterton from 1927 when fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew upon thorn some moment the moon was blood then surely I was born with monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things, the tattered outlaw of the earth, of ancient crooked will. Starve, scourge, deride me. I am dumb. I keep my secrets still. Fools. For I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. All right, well, that just about wraps it up for this episode, number 004 from Visit the Zoo. And I hope you enjoyed it, all of this. I want to do this again for episode number 005. So join me next week where we will discover three more animals and get more animal descriptions. It should be very interesting. And I'll also pull up some great news articles too. I'm asking you... Please, if you would, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review what you have just heard. If you enjoy what you've just heard, then let me know. And also, uh, please get a chance to go to my uh, website at zooanimals.info. That's zooanimals.info. Hope you'll join me again next week where we'll do it all once again. Thanks a lot and have a great week ahead.